Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Today, I will be speaking with Meredith F. Bone, MD, MSCI, about her article, Risk Factors for Acquiring Functional and Cognitive Disabilities During Admission to a Pediatric Intensive Care Unit, published in the September 2014 issue of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Dr. Bone is a pediatric intensivist in the Department of Pediatrics at the Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago and the Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago, Illinois. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Bone. Thank you, Dr. Parker. I'm so glad to be talking to you today. An increasing amount of attention is being paid to post-ICU outcomes as the appreciation for long-term consequences of critical care increases. What do we know about outcomes for children who have been treated in the pediatric ICU? You're right. There is increasing attention to what the long-term outcomes of critical illness are, but most of what we know is based on adult survivorship. Very little is known about what happens to pediatric survivors of critical illness. There have been some studies, though, that have described similar outcomes to what's been seen in adults, such as decline in physical function, cognitive function, or quality of life. So what led you to do your study? Well, this study really was inspired by me just wanting to know what happens to our patients after they leave the ICU. What is their health and well-being after they leave us? And knowing that there is some evidence that PICU survivors do have a decline in health, I wanted to learn more about which patients are at risk. How can we know as we're treating a, a patient in the ICU which ones we should be paying more attention to? So how did you do your study? What did you use for outcome measures and so forth? For our study, we analyzed data collected by the Virtual PICU Performance System Network. This network includes data on patients admitted to the pediatric intensive care units at multiple sites within the United States. And some of these sites collect function and cognitive scores on patients at the time they're admitted to the ICU and at the time they're discharged. And so we were interested in comparing the patients who had a decline in these scores during their admission to patients who didn't have a decline in these scores. So what did you look at as outcome measures? So we compared, number one, just what is the prevalence of decline in either function scores or cognitive scores, and then looking at some of the risk factors for the patients who did have a decline. And you used the POPC and the PC. Oh, yes, correct. Yes, the, the scores that we used were the pediatric overall performance category and pediatric cerebral performance scales to evaluate function and cognitive respectively. So what were your major findings? So we looked at data from 24 of the network sites that did collect these scores, and among the approximately 29,000 survivors in the database, the prevalence of acquired functional disability was about 10.3%, and the prevalence of cognitive, acquired cognitive disability was 3.4%. We also looked at the risk factors for required disability. And the risk factors that we found included patients who had an unscheduled admission, trauma, patients who had either neurologic or oncologic primary diagnoses, patients who had higher risk of mortality scores, and patients who had longer length of stay in the PICU. And in addition to those, we patients who uh, had some certain therapies while they were in the ICU, such as invasive mechanical ventilation, renal replacement therapy, and ECMO were at risk for acquired disability. Did you find combinations of risk factors that suggested a higher risk for acquired disability? 
Yes, a secondary aim of our study was to look at a group of risk factors that might be able to better identify the highest risk patients. So based on our initial regression analysis, we pulled out three risk factors, length of stay in the ICU longer than two and a half days, unscheduled admissions to the ICU, and patients who received invasive mechanical ventilation. And looking at this combination of risk factors, nearly one in four of those patients, about 23%, had acquired functional disability. That's an interesting finding. Did you find any surprises when you looked at your data? A couple of surprises to me. I, number one, the patients who had acquired functional disability, it wasn't a very severe decline in function. So patients often had normal or nearly normal function at baseline, but did not end up in a very severe functional decline, which made me think that some of the functional decline that's happening might not be apparent in routine PICU care. Perhaps we should be paying a little bit more attention. And these, the, the um, follow-up studies scores were done at the time of PICU discharge, right? So down the road would be an interesting time to look at to see whether there's further change or improvement in some of these kids who have acquired disabilities. Absolutely. That would be one of the next questions to start looking at is what is the trajectory of recovery? How do your results compare with other studies in the literature? Well, among the very few other studies that have looked at these same scores and looked at change between admission and discharge, our prevalence of disability was a little bit lower. But among the risk factors, our risk factors did corroborate some previous findings, such as patients who receive ECMO or mechanical ventilation are at higher risk. And some of the other risk factors we identified, though, were new and hadn't been previously reported. What were some of the new risk factors? For example, renal replacement therapy. I was intrigued that there were a very small number, but some children who actually had an improvement in uh, function from before to after an ICU stay. Uh, Did you look at those kids? I didn't. You're right. About 2% of the cohort did have an improvement in in their scores, their function score. We did not choose to evaluate that further in this study. Yeah, I wonder if that would be, for example, kids who had some sort of corrective surgical procedure or something like that. That's exactly my hypothesis, too. I don't know how else an ICU study would improve one's function. (laughs) What are the limitations of your study? The main limitation that I can think of about uh, related to my primary question of who are the, the kids who develop disabilities, the, these scores, the, the POPC and the PCPC, they're very good at looking at broad changes, but they may not be able to discriminate or identify some things that are more subtle. And so perhaps we didn't pick up all of the important or meaningful disabilities that happened in the patient. What do you think the implications are from your study and your findings for the current care of our patients in the PICU? Well, there are a number of areas that we should be thinking about based on these studies. Number one, what are the patients that should be getting a little bit further attention at the time of discharge? Are there patients who should be receiving additional rehabilitation therapies or follow-up? And what during their stay in the ICU can we be doing to either identify these patients or especially prevent any disability from occurring? And I think that's where we need to be looking for future studies. So what would be your next steps? I think a number of these 
are important next steps. It would be hard to focus on which one. We've already mentioned that what is the trajectory of recovery. We've described that some patients have functional and cognitive decline. How quickly do they get better? That would be an important piece to how we approach the problem. And also looking at some, are there any practices in the ICU that we can change knowing some of the risk factors. For example, we know that mechanically ventilated patients are at a higher risk for that. So what can we be doing to perhaps change our practice and minimize some of the functional decline? For example, in some adult ICUs, it's becoming more common to focus on minimizing the amount of sedation that these patients receive and focusing on earlier mobilization and rehabilitation while they're in the ICU. Yeah, that would be a a logical connection between mechanical ventilation and subsequent decline in function. Right. And certainly we use a lot of sedation in the mechanically ventilated children. So looking at how can we improve that is certainly an important potential way to improve our outcomes. Exactly. Do you have any final comments you'd like to make? Only that this is only the beginning of what we we are learning about how we should look at these patients and look at these important outcomes that are important to both the patients and their families. And so I think a frame of mind that as intensivists, we need to think about. So not only is our should our goal be getting the patients out of the ICU, but thinking about what is it that happens to them and how well are they after they leave the ICU and what's our role in that. Very good points. Well, thank you for talking with us today, Meredith. Thank you very much. We have been speaking today with Dr. Meredith Bone about her article, Risk Factors for Acquiring Functional and Cognitive Disabilities During Admission to a Pediatric Intensive Care Unit, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in September 2014. Thank you for joining us today. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. For the iCritical Care podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. Mark your calendar and join more than 6,000 members of the critical care community in the Valley of the Sun for SCCM's 44th Critical Care Congress to be held January 17th to 21st, 2015 in Phoenix, Arizona, USA. Visit www.sccm.org congress to register and for more information. Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM serves as an associate editor for the iCritical Care Podcasts. Dr. Parker is professor of pediatrics at Stony Brook University in New York and is the director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University Medical Center. A former president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, Dr. Parker is involved in quality improvement and standardization of care in the pediatric ICU, as well as resident education. Her clinical interests include severe sepsis and septic shock in children. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email icriticalcare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.